Chapter Three of Elsie's Widowhood by Martha Finley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sweet Pea. Chapter Three. Faith is exceedingly charitable, and believeth no evil of God. Rutherford. Delicious September days had come. The air was soft and balmy. A mellow haze filled the woods, just beginning to show the touch of the Frost King's fingers. The children could not content themselves within doors, and the wisely indulgent mother had given them a holiday, and spent the morning with them on the banks of the lakelet, and floating over its bright surface in their pretty pleasure boat. Returning to the house, she was now resting in her boudoir, lying back in a large easy chair with a book in her hand. Suddenly it dropped into her lap. She started up, erect in her chair, and seemed to listen intently. Was that her husband's step coming slowly along the hall? It was like and yet unlike it, lacking the firm elastic tread. The door opened, and she sprang to her feet. Edward, you are ill, for there was a deathly pallor on his face. Do not be alarmed, little wife. It is nothing. A strange pain, a sudden faintness, he said, trying to smile, but tottered and would have fallen had she not hastened to give him the support of her arm. She helped him to a couch, placed a pillow beneath his head, rang for assistance, brought him a glass of cold water, cologne, and smelling salts from her dressing-table, doing all with a deft quickness free from flurry, though her heart almost stood still with terrible fear and dread. What meant this sudden seizure, this anguish so great that it had bowed in a moment the strength of a strong man? She had never known him to be seriously ill before. He had seemed in usual health when he left her for his accustomed round over the plantation only a few hours ago, and now he was nearly helpless with suffering. Servants were instantly dispatched in different directions, one to Roselands to summon Dr. Arthur Conley, another to the Oaks for her father, to whom she instinctively turned in every time of trouble, and who was ever ready to obey the call. Both arrived speedily to find Mr. Travilla, in an agony of pain, bearing it without a murmur, almost without a moan or groan, but with cold beads of perspiration standing on his brow. Elsie beside him, calm, quiet, alert to anticipate every wish, but pale as a marble statue, and with a look of anguish in her beautiful eyes. It was so hard to stand by and see the suffering endured by him who was dearer than her own life. She watched Arthur's face as he examined and questioned his patient, and saw it grow white to the very lips. Was her husband's doom then sealed? But Arthur drew her and Mr. Dinsmore aside. The case is a bad one, but not hopeless, he said. I am unwilling to take the responsibility alone, but must call in Dr. Barton, and also send to the city for the best advice to be had there. We have great confidence in your skill, Arthur, Elsie said, but let nothing be left undone. God alone can heal, but he works by means and in the multitude of counsellors there is safety, added Mr. Dinsmore. Dear daughter, be strong and of good courage. There shall no evil befall you, for your heavenly Father knows and will do what is best. Yes, Papa, I know. I believe it, she answered with emotion. Ah, pray for me, that strength may be given me according my day, and to him, my dear, dear husband, no murmuring thoughts arise in either of our hearts. The news had flown through the house that its master and head had been stricken down with sudden severe illness. Great were the consternation and distress among both children and servants. So beloved was he, 
so strange a thing did it seem for him to be ill for he had seldom had a day's sickness in all the years that they had known him elsie edward and violet hastened to the door of the sick-room begging that they might be admitted that they might share in the work of nursing the dear invalid their mamma came to them her sweet face very pale but calm no darlings she said in her gentle tender tones it will not do to have so many in the room while your dear father is suffering so much your grandpa mammy and i must be his only nurses for the present though after a time your services may be needed oh mamma it is very hard to have to stay away from him sobbed violet i know it dearest her mother said and my heart aches for you and all my darlings but i am sure you all love your dear father too well not to willingly sacrifice your own feelings when to indulge them might injure him or increase his pain oh mamma yes yes indeed they all cried well then dears go away now look after the younger ones and the servants i trust them all to your care and when the doctors say it will do you shall see and speak to your father and do anything for him that you can so with a loving motherly caress bestowed upon each she dismissed them to the duties she had pointed out and returned to her station beside her husband's couch mr dinsmore arthur conley and aunt chloe were gathered about it engaged in efforts to relieve the torturing pain his features were convulsed with it but his eyes wandered restlessly around the room as if in search of something as elsie drew near they fixed themselves upon her face and his was lighted up with a faint smile darling precious little wife he murmured drawing her down to him till their lips met in a long loving kiss don't leave me for a moment nothing helps me to bear this agony like the sight of your sweet face ah beloved if i might bear it for you she sighed her eyes filling with tears while her soft white hand was laid tenderly upon his brow no no he said that were far worse far worse her tears were falling fast ah do not be so distressed it is not unendurable he hastened to say with a loving tender look and an effort to smile in the midst of his agony and he he is with me the lord my saviour i know that my redeemer liveth and the sense of his love is very sweet never so sweet before thank god that it is so ah he is faithful to his promises she said then kneeling by his side she repeated one sweet and precious promise after another the blessed words and loved tones seeming to have a greater power to soothe and relieve than anything else the other physicians arrived examined consulted used such remedies as were known to them everything was done that science and human skill could do but without avail they could give temporary relief by the use of opiates and anaesthetics but were powerless to remove the disease which was fast hurrying its victim to the grave both mr travilla and elsie desired to know the truth and it was not concealed from them on mr dinsmore devolved the sad task of imparting it it was in the afternoon of the second day the doctors had held a final consultation and communicated their verdict to him moved to his very heart's court the thought of parting with his lifelong bosom friend and more for the far sorer bereavement awaiting his almost idolized child he waited a little to recover his composure then entered the sick-room and drew silently near the bed elsie sat close at her husband's side one hand clasped in his while with the other she gently fanned him or wiped the death-damp from his brow did she know it was that her face was colourless but quite calm 
Mr. Travilla was at that moment entirely conscious, and his eyes were gazing full into hers with an expression of unutterable love and the tenderest compassion. At length they turned from her face for an instant, and were uplifted to that of her father as he stood close beside her, regarding them both with features working with emotion. The dying man understood its cause. "'Is it so, Dinsmore?' he said feebly, but with perfect composure. "'Elsie, little wife,' and he drew her to him, both tone and gesture, full of exceeding tenderness. "'Oh, love, darling, precious one, must we part? I go to the glory and bliss of heaven, but you—' his voice broke. Her heart seemed riven in twain, but she must comfort him. One bursting sob, as she hid her face upon his breast, one silent, agonized cry to heaven for help, and lifting her head she gave him a long look of love, then laid her cheek to his, put her arm about his neck. "'My darling, my dear, dear husband,' she said in her sweetest tones, "'do not fear for me, or for our children. The Lord, even Jesus, will be our keeper.' Do not let the thought of us disturb you now, or damp the glad anticipation of the wondrous glory and bliss to which you go. Soon you will be with him, forever with the Lord. And how glad our darling Lily will be to see her beloved father, dear mother, to recover her son, and what a little, little while it will seem till we all shall join you there, never, never to part again. And neither she, my dear daughter, nor her children, shall want for a father's love and care while I live, my dear friend, said Mr. Dinsmore, his voice tremulous with emotion. I know it, I know it, and God be thanked that I leave them in such good and loving hands, Mr. Travilla answered, looking gratefully at his friend. You trusted your darling child to me, he went on low and feebly, with frequent pauses for breath, and I give her back to you. Oh, she has been a dear dear wife to me he exclaimed softly stroking her hair god bless you my darling god bless you for your faithful unselfish love you have been the sunshine of my heart and home and you my beloved oh what a husband you have been to me she sobbed covering his face with kisses never one unkind or impatient word or look or tone nothing but the tenderest love and care have i had from you since the hour we gave ourselves to each other. And I thought, oh, I thought we had many more years to live and love together, but God's will be done. Yes, he said, his will be done with me and mine. Darling, he will never leave nor forsake you, and though I am almost done with time, we shall have all the ages of eternity to live and love together. Silent caresses were all that passed between them for some moments. Then Mr. Dinsmore inquired if his friend had any directions to give about his affairs. No, he said, all that was attended to long since. Elsie knows where to find all my papers, and understands everything in regard to the property and my business matters as well as I do. And my peace is made with God, he continued after a pause, speaking in a sweetly solemn tone. His presence is with me. I feel the everlasting arms underneath and around me. All my hope and trust are in the blood and righteousness of Christ, my crucified and risen Savior. All is peace. I am a sinner saved by grace. Let me see my children and give them a father's blessing, and I shall have nothing more to do but to fall asleep in Jesus. Elsie and Vi were together in a room across the hall from that in which their father lay, sitting clasped in each other's arms, waiting, 
hoping for the promised summons to go to him when he should be sufficiently relieved to bear their presence ah there was in each young heart an unspoken fear that he would never rise from that couch of pain for they had seemed to read his doom in the grave anxious faces of grandfather and physicians but oh it was too terrible a fear for either to put into words even to her own consciousness how could life go on without the father who had thus far constituted so large a part of it to them a shuffling step drew near and aunt chloe appeared before them her face swollen with weeping her eyes filled with tears used to come now chillins oh is papa better they cried starting up in eager haste to obey the summons the old nurse shook her head tears bursting forth afresh he's most there chillins most there where they don't have no more pain no more sickness no more dying i see the glory shining in his face he's most there then as their sobs and tears burst forth oh my mistis my blessed young mistis she cried throwing her apron over her head your old mammy died to keep massa here for your sake but the lord's will must be done and he never makes no mistakes End of chapter three